Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week we are going to tee up the most expensive show and potentially biggest gamble in TV history. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. Steve Carell has a new show, and it's no laughing matter. I'll review The Patient. Plus, Sylvester Stallone is still fighting bad guys at age 76. We will review his new movie on Prime, Samaritan. And speaking of Prime, this weekend is possibly going to be the biggest weekend in the history of Amazon Prime Video. No doubt what could be seen as a make or break weekend, considering the $1 billion cost for this new series based on the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, The Rings of Power. There was a time when the world was so young. There had not yet been a sunrise. But even then, there was light. $250 million just for the rights to The Lord of the Rings and the appendices. $750 million cost for uh, five seasons, at least five seasons. The Rings of Power is set well before the events of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, which took place in the Third Age of Middle-earth. This takes place in the Second Age, thousands of years before the story that many of us know so well. If you don't know the story... Gosh, how do we sum that up? Lord of the Rings is set in Middle-earth, author J.R.R. Tolkien's made-up mythology for England. It's a classic battle of good versus evil. Various races of beings, elves, dwarves, men, all gifted magical rings of power from the one known as Sauron. Little did they know, he has the one ring, the master ring, the ring of power. And the Lord of the Rings is about the quest of the free peoples of Middle-earth to destroy the ring and once and for all rid themselves of the evil of Sauron. So this story takes place well ahead of that. Let's just go to Wikipedia here, which says, set thousands of years before the events of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, this series is based on author J.R.R. Tolkien's History of Middle-Earth. It begins during a time of relative peace and covers all the major events of Middle-Earth's Second Age, the forging of the Rings of Power, the rise of the Dark Lord Sauron, the fall of the island kingdom of Numenor, and the last alliance between elves and men. These events take place over thousands of years in Tolkien's original stories, but are condensed for the series. So the basic races we know are still there. Elves have forests to protect. Dwarfs their mines. Mend their fields of grain. But we Harfoots have each other. For I must now wander this wandering day. We're safe. So I guess not quite the hobbits. Here they're known as Harfoots, a predecessor of sorts. And I should point out, I had previously suggested this show is partly based upon a book called The Silmarillion, which isn't so much a novel as it is a collection of stories. It's almost like a history book, and it is a slog. It is boring. Sorry, Tolkien fans. But I just wanted to tear that book into shreds as I was reading it because I was so bored. But it does tell the history of Middle-earth. So somewhere along the way, I thought this show would be partly based on that. I was wrong. Amazon did not get the rights for the Silmarillion. So they are allowed to tell their own story. They're allowed to create new characters as long as 
that story or those characters don't contradict anything in the in existing works, regardless of whether or not they have the rights to said existing works. So I'm sure that was fun, trying to figure out how do we create new stuff without messing with what is already there, because he wrote a lot of stuff on Middle-earth. Our protagonist is Galadriel, the elf queen, played by Kate Blanchett, whom we met in the movies. Here she is younger, talking to a younger Elrond of Rivendell, whom we also met in the movies. You have fought long enough, Galadriel. Put up your sword. The enemy is still out there. The question now is where? It is over. You have not seen what I have seen. I have seen my share. You have not seen what I have seen. And what has she seen? Evil! Darkness will march over the face of the earth. It will be the end, not just of our people, but all peoples. One of the things that has surrounded this show since its first teaser trailer arrived back during the Super Bowl, I think, is controversy. Not from all Tol Tolkien fans, but some. They're upset that the cast is suddenly diverse. There are black female dwarves. There are black elves. Their problem... Now, the, these fans, their problem isn't diversity period. It's not like they're a bunch of raging racists. I mean, I've seen black people on YouTube complaining about this. Their problem is Tolkien was hyper-specific in describing his characters and the races, and by all accounts, nowhere did he describe anyone who fits the descriptions we're seeing in some cases in this new show. So the show's creators have gone their own way to create something more reflective of our modern reality, even though it's a fantasy show based on stories that are decades old. Look, fans just want faithful representations of the stories they love. Take the movie Constantine, for example. When that movie came out, lots of fans were mad that they cast Keanu Reeves because the comic character is blonde, wears a beige-slash-tan trench coat, and is an Englishman. Keanu Reeves has black hair, his Constantine wore a black trench coat, and he is decidedly not an Englishman. So, personally, as far as the Rings of Power is concerned, I don't care. Like, if the show is good, good. And if the show sucks, then I'll trash it for that, not because the color of the skin in the cast. The past is with us all. The past is dead. We either move forward or we die with it. This could be the beginning of a new era. You know what, though? Listening to that clip, it almost sounds like they cherry-picked some of the dialogue on purpose for their trailer, as though they're trying to goad angry fans. The past is dead. We move on or die with it. This could be the beginning of a new era. If that's the case, if that's what they're doing, they're playing a dangerous game with the fans. Or I'm just reading way too much into this and should just shut up. It's just a TV show after all, and a TV show which appears to promise the return of the Balrog from the Fellowship of the Ring.
So far, so good on the reviews front. It's at 84% at last check on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not an overwhelming slam dunk thus far, but it's a promising start for, like I said, what could be the biggest gamble in the history of TV. Jeff Braun, are you excited? I'm very excited. And you know what? The movies, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Ring trilogy, that was one of the biggest gambles in movie history because uh, I recall reading articles that New Line Cinema had sunk all of their money into making those. And if they didn't pay off, it literally would have been the end of New Line Cinema. So uh, that one certainly paid off. And no reason not to think that this won't pay off, although it was a billion dollars, like you said. That is a heck of a gamble. But I am excited. I'm, uh, you know, 84%, like you said, on Rotten Tomatoes. I've seen a lot of uh, review early reviews that said it looks just gorgeous. So I'm very excited for it. Um, I was I was less excited going into House of the Dragon, and that thing has wildly surpassed my expectations. So I'm all in on that one. So I'm trying to go in with, not get too excited going into this because, you know, it's easier to be let down if you're coming in at such a high bar. But uh, I'm very much looking forward to this. I love every other trip I've taken to Middle Earth from the Lord of the Rings series. And like I mentioned last week, uh, rewatched the Hobbit movies recently, and those are better than their reputation would lead us to believe at this point, I think. So another trip into Middle Earth, it's a, like you said, what, thousands of years beforehand. So it's a lot of all new history and such to learn. Um, I am a little bit nervous about that. Uh, I, 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 told, I, I joked with you off the air that I look forward to reading a lot of good television this fall because <laughs> this is definitely going to be another I have to have the subtitles on show to follow along just, just from the names alone. There's so many uh, so many names in these kinds of shows and to have two of them running on, you know, at the same time is just going to be a, a, an exercise and trying to keep things straight for me. I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous about that, but I think may, hopefully after a couple of a few episodes of each series, uh, I'll be able to, you know, figure them out and compartmentalize and get going on that track. So it, it doesn't feel like homework, but it's going to feel a little bit like that at the beginning, I would think. Overall, though, uh, we've been waiting for this show for a couple of years now, ever since they announced that crazy, uh, you know, we spent $250 million just to get the rights to the Lord of the Rings to make TV shows out of it. Uh, it's finally paying off. It's here this weekend, and I can't wait. And a curious release as well for this, because the release date they've been promoting for months is September 2nd, but then you pointed this out just before we went to hit record that you're seeing some places saying September 1st, so it looks like what they did is they released the first two episodes of the eight-episode series um, at 9 o'clock Eastern on Thursday uh, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, so we haven't seen it yet. But a lot of people, like I was planning to sit around and wait until Friday night to watch this, but now I guess I might end up having to watch this on Thursday night, at least watch the first episode, because I don't want to wait until Friday if it's available sooner than September 2nd. So we'll have a review of those first two episodes next week on The Couch Potatoes. But up next, we've got a review of Sylvester Stallone's First superhero role. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We just said we are going to review Samaritan in this particular segment. But you know what? I'm really curious to know what Jeff has to say about this new show. So let's push Samaritan back for a few minutes. Tell us about this new show, Jeff. It stars Steve Carell. It's on Disney Plus, And it's a psychological thriller called The Patient. I'm not normal. I need to get better. Anyone who has come this far who has made the choice to come to therapy and keep hammering away at the hard things, they can be helped. 
but I have got bigger problems. I have a compulsion to kill people. So should I tell you more about my life? In The Patient, Steve Carell plays a psychiatrist who gets kidnapped by a serial killer who chains him up in his basement and forces him to be his therapist to try to help him from to stop serial killing. Uh, the killer is played by Domino Gleason, a.k.a. General Hux from the latest batch of Star Wars movies. The Patient is brought to us from the guys who made the show The Americans, which was a terrific spy show on FX, which you can and should stream on Disney Plus if you've not yet seen it. Two episodes for The Patient drop this week. There will be 10 altogether, one a week for the next couple of months. And you got to wonder how long they'll or wonder how they'll have enough story for to keep it going that long. I mean, the episodes are only 22 minutes each, but still, it's mostly just these two guys talking. Uh, Carell is literally manacled to the floor near a bed in this guy's basement. He has about 10 feet worth of chain that he can move with. <laughs> they have not explained where he goes to the bathroom through two episodes, which I've actually found a little distracted. Uh, distracting, just wondering about that. Besides that, though, it's an interesting premise. Obviously, a twist on something like misery, but the criminal here is acting out of a warped sense of self-improvement, unlike Annie and Misery, who just wanted her favorite author to write her a book. Carell is great. He's always great. He sports a thick beard. He's very believable as a therapist, although I will say that even though it's a pretty heavy drama because it is Steve Carell, I will sometimes just see him as Michael Scott from The Office, and I can take myself out of the show you know, by pretending that Michael is the guy that's chained up in this basement, and it sort of turns into a comedy for a few moments here and there, if you look at it like that. Gleason, of course, is wonderfully cast as a serial killer. He's got a unique look, and he's easily can sport an expression where you have no problem thinking this guy is capable of a lot of bad stuff. Uh, besides the scenes featuring these two guys, we do get some flashbacks into Carell's life before he was kidnapped. Hopefully we'll see how that, you know, character shading connects with this main plot. We haven't really seen anything about Gleason's past and uh, other than when he first met Carell in Carell's office. The flashbacks help break it up too, but like I said, it's pretty slow going so far. It's not the sort of show I would wait to binge because I think that will just amplify the slow parts. At uh, 22 minutes a week, I think that's more than manageable. If you just cause you just pop it in once a week and watch the 22 minutes, you go back to your life and you get a little bit more of the story. It's an interesting premise. It's got a couple of great performers at the heart of it. Hopefully it lives up to its potential throughout the 10-episode run. The first two episodes of The Patient are streaming now on Disney+, and I recommend them. Cool. That sounds great. Yeah, I saw the previews for that and thought, oh boy, I might have to check that out. And now after you said that, I guess I'll just have to add another thing to the ever-growing list. LOL. A couple of movies out this weekend. Look, uh, Labor Day weekend, typically one of the quietest, if not the quietest weekend of the year at the box office. And this weekend is no exception. Just one new movie out this weekend of note. Honk for Jesus, save your soul. Prominent megachurch pastor Lee Curtis Childs faces allegations of misconduct. As a result, their once thriving congregation now sits empty. This Labor Day weekend, this is the ultimate comeback. Only one movie, Have Faith Baby, is a religious experience. We are ready to get back to doing good mm. Christian work. Regina Hall, Sterling K. Brown. Amen! We agree that amen. All the people on the internet say amen. Punk for Jesus, save your soul. Rated R. Yeah, so great cast in this with Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall as uh, the first lady and pastor of a Southern Baptist megachurch. 
which once had 26,000 congregants, but then scandal. So they had to close up shop for a bit, and now they're looking to rebuild and have a comeback. It's said to be a solid satire of religion without taking she- uh, cheap shots, and it's getting decent reviews. Back in theaters this weekend, for the first time in IMAX... You're going to need a bigger boat. Jaws is playing in theaters, in IMAX theaters. It looks like it's going to be playing for at least a week. Uh, is it first time in IMAX, Jeff. Is that something that will lure you back to the big screen for some Jaws? Not sure. It's very, very tempting. But I did see it in uh, theaters, not on IMAX, but on a regular big screen two years ago uh, in the theater. So it, it's sort of fresh like that. And I also just watched it, I guess, this spring at home again. Uh, oh, and I actually watched it again this summer at my parents' house when I was <laughs> on vacation. So I've, I've seen it so many times, but it is still very tempting to go to theaters to see it again, especially in IMAX. And apparently it's going to be in, available in 3D in some spots as well. I'm not sure what I think about that. Uh, also back in theaters, Spider-Man No Way Home. If you haven't seen that on the big screen yet, they've decided to bring that one back for a little while as well. So they probably just brought these, they probably scheduled these for Labor Day weekend because they're like, um, Labor Day is our worst weekend, so let's two, put two of the biggest movies in history back in theaters. Why not? Can't hurt. In a moment... The movie's not going to win any awards, but it wasn't as bad as the reviews suggest, at least in my opinion. Details next on The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We both checked out the new Sylvester Stallone movie on Prime that came out last week, Samaritan. Wait up, wait up. What are you doing with all this junk? Stallone plays Joe, a garbage man who collects and fixes up old junk. In the meantime, the fictional city of Granite City is collapsing around him due to crime. Another long night of crime and violence. Some say it's only a matter of time before the city implodes. The city could really use a hero right about now. Too bad Samaritan is gone. He was a superhero who purportedly died in an altercation with Nemesis some 20 years earlier. And in the middle of all this is 13-year-old Sam, who believes the city's old superhero Samaritan is still alive and that it's his neighbor Joe the Garbage Man. I found him. Samaritan. Samaritan died 25 years ago. That's what they say. You think you live across from a superhero? Do you have a therapist, kid? It's not a it's not a spoiler, by the way, to say that Stallone is the guy with the superpowers. I mean, it's in the trailer. That's the whole hook of the movie. Uh, Sam attempts to befriend Joe slash Samaritan to try to figure out why he disappeared. Good. Samaritan is dead. I pick up garbage for a living, pal. Samaritan cleaned up the streets. <laughs> you mind your business, I'll mind mine. I don't believe you! Are you okay? Oh, cool. He just got hit by a car and got up. He's super strong and almost indestructible. Safe to say he's the mystery superhero man in question. But 
there's a complication. Sam, in an effort to help his mom with cash, has gotten mixed up with Cyrus's gang. Cyrus is a bad, bad man, played by Pilu Asbeck, who was Euron Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. Cyrus and his cronies are always up to no good. They wish to black out the city for some reason, and Cyrus has it out for the old man for some reason. So will Samaritan rise up and fight back? How strong are you? Not as strong as I once was. Things start to fall apart when you stop caring. And I stopped caring a long time ago. How come you hate who you are? For some people, it's too late to change the damage they've done. He's hiding something. I want him dead. Really? Didn't go so well for those guys. Rotten Tomatoes has this at 38%. Jeff, what say you? Oh, I liked it a bit better than that. I dug it quite a bit uh, better than I was expecting. Mostly, of course, you know, because at this point, I don't really expect much from movies that are just come out on streaming services. So with a low bar, Samaritan easily hurdled it. Kind of a bulletproof standard superhero story. Doesn't add anything new to the genre, but it's perfectly fine. Uh, I like that the bad guys were just pure evil for the sake of it. Cyrus is just a bad dude. A bit of a wild card, too, which is always fun. And clearly, uh, the actor enjoyed playing it, which always helps with the villain. A lot of superhero movies have bad villains, and I'm not saying Cyrus is Hall of Fame worthy, but I found him fun to watch, which I think is the point. The kid was terrific, and he had to carry a lot of the movie. And for a youngster, that can be really difficult, but I thought this kid did a great job. Again, He's not going to win an Oscar for it, but he played a range of emotions and had an engaging energy that uh, kept things zipping along. I, I didn't spend any time thinking that he was going to drag down the movie at some point. I, I hope he can make a career out of it if that's what he wants. The action, I thought, was it was decent. There were a couple of moments that looked kind of cheap. There was one uh, carb that was flipped over in particular that looked terrible, but I mostly enjoyed the fights. A lot of bad guys being thrown across the room, which I always enjoy. And the big set piece at the end looked great. It involves a, a building on fire and you just know that the fire, of course, is mostly all CGI, but I thought it looked really convincing. And fire is one of those things that they seem to have a hard time pulling off with the CGI for some reason. To, to, you, I feel like you can always spot when the fire looks fake. And here it didn't look fake, I didn't think. However, I will say they use a de-aging effect on Stallone for a flashback scene at uh, one point, and that was not great. I just don't think that technology is quite there yet, because now we've seen it tried with Robert De Niro and Stallone, and they can't pull it off convincingly. And there is so much old footage of both of those guys when they were young that if you can't do it with them, I guess it just can't be done. Uh, that'll get better with time, though. And speaking of getting better with time, let's talk about Stallone. He's 77 years old. He's in better shape than I was at 17, which was probably peak JB. And I thought he acted well in this one. I love a story about a gruff old-timer who takes a kid under his wing, and Stallone has already proven he could do that. He did it in an Oscar-nominated Turning Creed, for example. I mean, he's just old Rocky in that, so it was uh, second nature at that point. But he does it again here, where he's even gruffer. Clearly, he wants to you know, keep being the action star Stallone does, but I hope he finds a few more simple dramatic roles where he's just the grandpa or something, because he's legitimately a good actor given the right material. Um, outside of the Rocky pictures, there's movies like Copland, where he holds his own with uh, Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, De Niro, and more. He's great in the first Rambo movie, First Blood. And even though, you know, he's made a lot of really bad movies always over the years, he is always fun to watch in them, I think. Like in, like in a movie like Cobra, which is a terrible movie. 
but he's fun in it. And uh, other movies like Cliffhanger are just bangers. But uh, I've watched a lot of Stallone movies in the last year or so for some reason, and I just love the guy more and more every time I see him. Add to that, you know, he, he writes, he directs, he produces. He's had a more impressive career than we give him credit for. We usually just think of him as the big, dumb, lunkhead action guy. And especially, you know, because we lump him in with those other action stars of the 80s. I can sort of see him being compared to Schwarzenegger, sure. But lumping Stallone in with the likes of JCVD or Steven Seagal is just not fair to Stallone. Samaritan's not going to make Sly's top 10 list. I can't imagine. But I thought it was a pretty fun way to spend an hour and a half. And I'll give it uh, three couch cushions out of five, Brett. What do yeah. you think? Yeah, I still think he got hosed when he did not win an Oscar for... His performance in Creed, he was so good in that. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as the de-aging thing goes, just before I forget, as I think about it, I still remember being blown away at the de-aging effect that we saw in X-Men 3, The Last Stand, when we saw slightly younger versions of Professor X, uh, Patrick Stewart's Professor X and Ian McKellen's Magneto. But I guess they, they just took like older guys and made them slightly less old. So maybe that's why that worked. But like with the Mandalorian, when they when they put Luke Skywalker's face and and you put a younger Luke Skywalker into that scene, the technology exists. Like we see these people doing this deep fake stuff. They're like, ah, you know what? I'll fix that, and they make it look perfect. So I don't understand why they don't use that technology because it clearly works. Maybe it's a, a rights thing. I don't know. Like maybe it could be a legalities thing. Who knows? But yeah, the de-aging thing, just it almost looked comical in this. But I'm like you. I liked this movie. I went in with no expectations considering the, the, the rating was so poor on Rotten Tomatoes. So I was pleasantly surprised and was able to enjoy what turned out to be this rather simple and predictable little story the biggest surprise for me stallone's performance he could have easily phoned this in but he did not he gave i thought a really heartfelt performance about this aging soup just trying to live out his life in peace while he deals with the shadows and guilt from his past his age is starting to show like you know he's like you mentioned he's he's almost 80 years old but in the context of this story it works. He's getting old. He gets pulled back into the fray. He's got to go fight guys again, uh, whether he wants to or not. And since it's a lower-budget streamer, this movie keeps things relatively simple. It doesn't have a ton of action, but when it does, it's measured, and it's to the point. And some might be bored by the lack of action, but I saw this more as a character story, not an action story. He just happens to have superpowers, but it's not about him you know, being a superpowered individual until it absolutely has to be i.e. when he has to save the kid because of course the kid gets caught up in it all when they did have the action like i said good solid fight scenes some ingenuity on display as well to make it violent but not too violent because it's pg-13 in the states but this was indeed i thought super predictable for the most part and i did have some gripes like why is this kid so obsessed with Samaritan, and then why doesn't the conspiracy theorist believe him? I mean, this he goes to see this conspiracy theorist to say that he found Samaritan, and this conspiracy theorist who wrote a book called Samaritan Lives doesn't believe a credible sighting from the kid that Samaritan is alive. Like, that just didn't make any sense to me. The bad guys, Cyrus... Thankfully, he's played by a charismatic performer. Otherwise, he would be utterly useless. Like, he wants to black out the city and, and rob it of its power. So, 
Why exactly? Just to loot? To cause fear? Who cares? Like sometimes you just need a colorful bad guy just for fun. And his thugs are no better. They're just bad guys for the sake of being bad guys. Although at the very least they gave Cyrus a bit of a connection to Samaritan's past. And, uh, but look, this movie had some genuine surprises. That's really all I'm going to say. I don't want to spoil it because it was, I, I loved it I, all in. I thought this did a, did well at being exactly what it was. Straight to video, no theatrical release, simple but effective story, great performance from Stallone, not going to win any awards, won't go down in history as one of the better superhero movies ever made, but it entertained me for an hour and a half or so, and I would not have a problem with seeing more Samaritan if Stallone is game. So I'm going to give it three couch cushions out of five. Nothing special, just simple fun. Oh, and I uh, forgot to mention as well that... Uh, a great musical score. Like the, the I thought the particularly in the big climax scene, the music was terrific. So yeah, if you haven't watched Samaritan, what are you waiting for? In a moment, we are going to learn about a show called The Old Man. No, we're not talking about Sylvester Stallone or Jeff Braun or Brett McGarry in this details. In a moment, you're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and I started watching a recently made series starring Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow. It's called The Old Man. Am I in danger? No. Once we get on the road, I'll fix all this. Am I in danger from you? Faraz Hamzad is a ghost. He cannot be approached. He cannot be touched. He cannot be killed. He's already tried to settle his grudge against me. What's to say that he will settle the one he's got with you next? The target was on his way out the door. Someone on your end tipped him off that something was coming. He wants him delivered alive. I'm going to the police. Do you have any idea the danger that you're putting yourself in? I have the resources to make you think twice before threatening me. This guy is somebody who fights for causes. He is on the right side of whatever fight he's in. I can't let you go. The Old Man is out on Disney+. Plus. It came out a couple of weeks ago after already airing on FX over the summer. It's a seven-episode series. Most episodes are about an hour long. I've watched the first two so far. Bridges plays Dan Chase, who's a former CIA operative whose past is about to catch up to him 30 years after some really bad stuff went down in Afghanistan. Dan Chase is not his real name. It's one of several aliases he's got ready to go at a moment's notice. But since his retirement, he's apparently been able to set down some roots. He was married and had a, a kid who's grown up now. When we catch up to him, his, his wife has been dead for a few years already after dealing with dementia for a few years before that. And he communicates with his daughter with these burner phones. He, he has a phone call with her and then puts the phone in the microwave kind of thing and wrecks it. Uh, he's been living this quiet life, but that's all about to change as an assassin tries to kill him in his sleep. Suddenly, he finds himself on the run again, and even though he's an old man, he proves surprisingly spry. There's a long fight scene in the first episode that is, it's messy. It's not some highly choreographed battle like we see in the John Wick movies, who look, which looks like, uh, what do they call it, gun fu or something like that. It's, it's balletic. This instead is down and dirty. It looks very painful for everyone involved, and it looks real, at least, you know, real for a TV show. There are a few sudden bursts of violence in the first couple of episodes, which otherwise, you know, the show has a kind of a low-key energy. A lot of the time when people are talking, I was sort of reminded of that 
eerie atmosphere that you'd see on Mr. Robot. There's just something about the way they shot it that keeps you a little on edge, a little off balance. The other side of the show concerns the people that are chasing Dan Chase, and they're led by John Lithgow. He plays a character named Harold Harper, a bigwig with the FBI. He also, like Dan Chase, used to be in the CIA, and he knows him fairly well, at least as well as you can know a spy who traffics in secrets and lies for a living. And as we soon learn, Harper also has some secrets from back in the day, and it's in his best interest for Chase to be taken care of quickly and quietly, but that's going to be very difficult, as everyone soon sees. There's So there's this cat-and-mouse aspect, kind of like The Fugitive, where Jeff Bridges is on the run and trying to stay one step ahead of Lithgow. And there's some of the personal character stuff uh, comes in with these guys. Bridges meets a woman he also likes, played by Amy Brenneman, and that adds another wrinkle to everything. And there may be some other stuff at play regarding his mental well-being. There have been some allusions to the fact that he may be having cognitive issues, but there have also been some red herrings. It's all very intriguing, and uh, we don't really know what's going on. And they sort of, you know, feed you bits and pieces of the backstory here and there. Uh, I will say that there is a, a couple of there's a couple there's a scene with um, young Jeff Bridges and young John Lithgow from the '80s in Afghanistan, and they don't use the de aging technology on that. They just hired younger actors to play them that sort of look like them, and it actually works really, really well. And it's not at all distracting like these computer effects can be. I love all the main actors involved. Both Bridges and Lithgow are guys you can just put into anything, and if nothing else, they're going to provide some measure of entertainment because they're both just that good. I do worry a little bit that the show is going to overstay its welcome. It seems like a pretty simple premise, just uh, one guy on the run from another, and maybe stringing that out for seven episodes is too much, but we'll see. It might also take some other turn I have not predicted at this point. But so far, so good through two episodes. I highly recommend The Old Man on Disney+. And we don't have time to get into this this week. I'll tell you about it next week because I'll have finished it by next week. But Jeff, did you watch the fourth season of Westworld that uh, debuted a couple of months back? No, I, I dropped out of that, I think, after two episodes of season three. Okay, which is which is still, like, you loved that first season so much. Oh, You're yeah. the one who got me going uh, on Westworld. And, yeah, I didn't. Season three was weird. Season one was was perfect. Season two was pretty good. Season three was just bizarre. But season four, I don't know why I finally just decided to watch it. I saw it was on my PVR, and I thought, eh, let's give this a whirl. I'm four episodes in. I love it. It's been yes. really good, and, and there's so many weird mysteries, and, and you know the answers are coming, so you just got to roll the punches, and it's been great. So I will tell you about Season 4 of Westworld next week. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.